The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Uh, the show presented, as always, by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com for new windows. Mention my name. You'll get a free estimate. You've got nothing to lose. Winter's coming. So if you've been thinking about new windows, get them now. Uh, you'll save big on your heating bill. What's up, Tommy? How you doing today? It's Wednesday. Weird week with Tommy this week, Monday and Wednesday. But I enjoy doing the show with you on Monday. Yes, I did very much so. And, and, oh, you know what? Just to take people behind the curtain, we had a very extensive pre-show meeting uh, over uh, by phone before we started the podcast today, going over various topics for possible discussion. And all of a sudden, one just popped in my mind that I forgot to talk to you about. What? So I'm wondering if I can call an audible here. Call the audible. I mean, that that meeting, it was a lengthy meeting, and we had an agenda, and we went through everything, but go ahead, call an yeah. audible. Okay, I know I know we had we, we had a lot of stuff on that list, but uh, I watched the special last night on HBO that everybody has to watch. Do you like Albert Brooks? I saw some of this the other night. I caught the last 25 minutes of it, and I haven't seen the whole thing, but I definitely want to go back and watch it. It, oh, looked, it looked great. He, he is a comic genius. He is the comic genius. Really? Is, yeah, I mean, everyone talked about how Norm MacDonald, you know, people revered in the business, Norm MacDonald. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they bow at the feet of Albert Brooks. Norm MacDonald? I mean, I, I think Norm MacDonald was funny, but I didn't know that he was so revered. Among comedians. I thought among Ga- the people in the business. Oh, I thought Gary yes. Shandling's one of those people that is truly revered by people in the business. Well, Gary Shandling bowed at the altar of, of Albert Brooks. Okay. Okay, that's, that's how funny he was, because he was so creative and, and just so off the wall. And, you know, he would go on Johnny Carson. He would go on shows and do bits that he had never done, had never tried anywhere else, which apparently is unheard of for a comedian. Like, a comedian goes on Carson, you know, Johnny Carson in the yeah. old days, The Tonight Show. Right. They, would, oh, they yeah. would do a monologue that they've already tried out multiple times in comedy clubs and things like that. Not Albert Brooks. 
he would do something that he never did before when he would be on it. He would just, show. he would literally, he would wing it? Johnny, no, he wouldn't wing it. He had something, uh-huh. but he hadn't tested it anywhere yet. Interesting. You know, a lot of these guys test stuff before to see if it's good sure, or not. Sure, of course. Uh, and uh, unlike us, we don't test anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just and, uh, we meet for a solid four four to five minutes before the show. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But I recommend it's. I think it's called "Defending Your Life." It's directed by Rob Reiner, yeah, his closest friend. Right. And it's it's just great stuff on HBO Max. I I think the conversation about what you you described. I I didn't realize that. I'm sure I will get that from watching the whole thing. Like I would have never guessed that Albert Brooks is the guy that you know within the business comedians respect. Like I. Oh yeah. Because that's always sometimes a different list. It's it's the same thing with musicians. You know, musicians end up respecting certain musicians who maybe aren't you know hugely popular um, with with music listeners, but in the business they're revered. And so yeah. in comedy, like I, I mean, Gary Shandling, I, I think is is all time brilliant. I mean, I, I, I really believe that. And I think that, um, well, George Carlin isn't George, like to me, the Larry Sanders show is one of the, the, the most creative shows of all time. I agree. And people, my favorite people in the business loved that show too. They still talk about that show as being criminally underrated in terms of, of, of shows that were, but, but wasn't, I thought George Carlin, like George Carlin and Richard Pryor are kind of like the, the two that everybody's always looked up to. Yes. Yes, they are. You're right about that. But Albert Brooks crossed, broke into a new wall, you know, crossed into a universe. He didn't tell jokes. Okay. He would get up there and just do some absolutely off-the-wall stuff. Right. Uh, not as stupid as Andy Kaufman would. You know, Andy Kaufman was really out there. Right. And sometimes it would be funny and sometimes it wouldn't. Albert Brooks was just hilarious. He was, he was one of Johnny's favorite guests uh, when Carson had the show, was alive and had the show. Uh, you know, I mean, my favorite Albert Brooks movie, he's done a bunch of movies. Broadcast news. My favorite Albert Brooks movie is uh, Lost in America. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Did, where, right. Where, they, where at one point they lose all their money in a casino, right. and he goes into the casino manager's office and tries to convince him that giving their money back would be the greatest promotion the casino could ever do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that, that was a great movie. The, the movie that I think I first remember him in was Broadcast News, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I'm looking through. I'm just pulling up his... his and well, he was, he was nominated inti- for an Oscar for Broadcast News. He was, he was incredible Actually. in that movie. Um, yeah. Oh, of course. He was in terms of endearment as well. Uh, and yes. he, oh, he was in Taxi Driver, of course. Yes. Um, yeah, he did. He was in Concussion. Yeah, the, I, the movie Concussion. I never saw that. I never saw that. It's a pretty good movie. movie. I never saw that movie. But, uh, you know, he did a lot of directed movies on his own, like Modern Romance. He did a movie called Defending Your Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And uh, he he did a movie called Mother, which is pretty funny. Uh, and it's kind of like about the relationship between him and his mother, but it's fictional. But I'd recommend Mother to ed- to anybody. Very, very funny. Um, oh, he grew up in California. I, I would have... Uh, his, yeah. his brother was Super Bob. You know the guy oh, he, that used to... Uh, yeah, it was... It, not Super Bob. Super Dave. Super Dave. Super Dave. Yes, I, yes. Ca- I remember Super Dave. That was Dave. his brother. Interesting. They were they, their their real last name was Einstein, so that means their his parents <laughs> named him Albert Einstein. That's crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. Do you know that I had uh, I had Mike Richmond? Uh, I did this thing with him. You know, he wrote this book on George Allen, and right. I had him on yes. the podcast. And he told this story about George Allen actually going up to Albert Einstein's house in New Jersey. And offering to play him in chess, like in the 19, you know, like like the late 1930s, early 1940s, something like that. It was something crazy. He was a young person. And he had, he had this weird story about it in the book that he told that he, Alan forgot a chessboard. And Einstein didn't play chess, so he didn't have a chessboard either, so he just left. But when he left, he made some sort of gesture, like the gesture of a bomb going off. You know, the Manhattan Project, which, you know, we saw in Oppenheimer, the movie, you know, the movie Oppenheimer, um, we saw the relationship that he had with Einstein, with, with, with Albert Einstein. Right? I didn't see Oppenheimer yet. Oh, you haven't seen that? No. I thought you. I thought we talked about that. No, maybe not. Maybe no, that must be some other brilliant guest you had. Why? On. Why haven't you seen that? I would have thought you would have wanted to see that. Oh, circumstances. Okay. Circumstances and 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 misadventures. Okay, so Albert Brooks. What is it? An, it's like an hour, right? Yeah, it's called defending your life on on Max. Right, and it's they um, call it Max now. Is it whatever? Uh, and it's it's Meathead doing the interview. I noticed that Rob yes. Rob Reiner. Okay. Um, all right. So we're very organized today as far as the show goes. <laughs> I actually I actually wanted to start with the Deshaun Watson breaking news from earlier this morning that Deshaun Watson is done for the year with a broken shoulder because I. You're going to the Ravens game tomorrow night with you know with yes, family am. members, as, including as spectator, including you know the distant cousin from Madrid, Madrid or Barcelona, Madrid. Yeah, um, and so that'll be fun. But I, you know, like you, because I think you watched the game Sunday too. I watched a lot of that Cleveland Baltimore game. Yeah, so and, did I. And it was a really good game. And I and it was like maybe the beginning of something for uh for Deshaun Watson who has not had very good games for the most part in Cleveland since he started to play at the end of last year except for by the way the second half that he played in Washington which knocked Washington out of the playoffs <laughs> even though the head coach didn't know it but um he I thought he was really good down the stretch. I mean, he led them on a touchdown drive, then they had a pick six, and then he led them on a drive that set up the game-winning field goal by Dustin Hopkins, uh, as a matter of fact. 
And he was limping and hobbling around that entire game. Well, it turns out, by the way, the MRI revealed a broken shoulder that happened on Sunday. He actually had a, a rotator cuff injury earlier in the year, but he also had an MRI on his ankle that, revere, that revealed a high ankle sprain. So it was possible he wasn't going to play for a couple weeks anyway. But, Tommy, the thing about watching the Browns on Sunday, and you can look at the final score and say, well, the Ravens scored 31 points. Well, yeah, they did, but they had a pick six early in the game. Um, and, you know, Cleveland's defense, I find watching Miles Garrett mesmerizing. Like, I, I would recommend anybody that watches a Cleveland game, if it's on, just don't even watch the game, just watch Miles Garrett play. He's absolutely the best defensive player, I think, right now in the game. I think he should be in the MVP conversation. But anyway, long story short on this injury, I saw a lot of the reaction being like, so what? No. Uh Uh-uh. That team is good enough to be in the playoffs and probably beat somebody with Deshaun Watson because their other quarterback options are much worse. You can do much worse than Deshaun Watson right now. And P.J. Walker, who they're not going to start. I I saw this right before, right at the end of the radio show. They're going to start Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who I really liked at UCLA, but his one start this year was horrendous. But um, they had Josh Dobbs on the roster in preseason and cut him. You know, he played against Washington in the preseason and, and did not play well. He was pretty bad in that it was a preseason game. Uh, and they cut him, and that's when Arizona picked him up and ended up starting him. And they also, of course, had Jacoby Brissett on the roster last year, and they tried to get a quarterback before the trade deadline, knowing that Deshaun Watson had already been banged up for a couple of games this year. They offered Washington a sixth-rounder for Brissett, J.P. Finley reported, but Washington wouldn't take it. So... Uh, they didn't get anybody. I mean, you know, th- maybe they should have gone after Dobbs. Look, this is this is this is general manager malpractice in this day and age when you have a team that you think is going to contend. Yeah, and have these as your backup options. The Jets too. The Jets, the Jets front office. Should, there should be an NFL court, and they should be indicted. For you know, going with Aaron Rodgers and not having a better option than Zach Wilson back there to play. I mean, both the Browns and the Jets. I mean, look, I think this is not that we needed reinforcement, but this just shows the value how important the number two quarterback is in this league, particularly now in 17 games that you play throughout the season. Uh, and I give Washington credit for having a backup like Jacoby Brissett. But so far, Sam Howell has proven to be, among the many things that you got to like about Sam Howell, he's proven to be durable, yeah. even though he's taken a beating. Knock on wood uh, saying that, but, yeah, because, yeah. But the Browns, they should be ashamed of themselves, what they're left with. If they had that good of a defense and they didn't prepare for the possibility of having a better backup quarterback, that's that's. That's NFL criminal. Well, I mean, the the, the crime that, that, that came first before the crime of not having a backup quarterback was giving Deshaun Watson $235 million yes. guaranteed. Which but that's basic, an owner crime. I know, but it basically he, put him in position not to be able to afford a solid backup quarterback, probably. 
Um, I know the owner. The owner committed that crime. I think they still could have had other backup options than what they did. Well, Jacoby Brissett got eight million from Washington, so they weren't going to pay a backup eight million. No, but they were willing to trade for him. Yeah, but they would have picked up, you know, basically half of the salary at that point for the rest of yeah. the year. You know, yeah. maybe we talked about this, and I asked Jay Gruden this on Friday when I had him on the show. Jay's with us every Friday. I guess Colt McCoy is just done. Although he, he, he worked out for Minnesota earlier in the year when there, when Nick Mullins, who was the backup, went down with a bad back. And he's either done or he's not good enough anymore when he works out. But I I think last year and the year before, Colt McCoy had some good games in Arizona. Yes, yes he did. You know, uh, you were going to check on this. You were going to check on this. I emailed his father. I'm doing. I'm telling you right now. Okay. I emailed his father. His father emailed me a, a while ago, a long time ago, about something I wrote about Colt. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was something positive because that's all I ever wrote about Colt. Yes, McCoy. you loved Colt McCoy, and his father really liked it, so he thanked me for it. Uh, so I had that email. So I emailed him, be, being curious about you know is 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 Colt still considering playing or, you know, is he done with his NFL career? I've never got a response. I, I sent it last <laughs> week, and I never got a response. All right. Well, So um, I am looking into it. Okay. Uh, well, that, I appreciate that. I thought you would just pick up the phone and call him, Colt, and just say, are you in or are you, are you playing or not? Um <laughs> Uh, and anyway, you're right. I mean, they don't they don't have a backup. They're gonna. We'll see what happens. It's an interesting team though because beating Baltimore really put them into the thick of the AFC North race, you know. And now you've got to look at it and um, and essentially say they've they've got uh, they've got no chance. I mean, I think that defense is good enough to win another three or four games, maybe, which could put them in the that playoffs. But they're not going to do anything. That's an interesting division, boy. Oh, man, it is. It really is. Uh, I wanted to read something real quickly. Um, This came from Corey on Twitter. Corey wrote, Kevin, Buffalo fired Ken Dorsey with one of the best offenses in the league based on advanced numbers. How does Jack Del Rio still have his job with one of the worst defenses in the league? Explain that to me. Please explain that to me. The answer is this. In Buffalo, there were expectations to win the Super Bowl this year. In Washington, yes, there were some expectations that the defense would be a good defense this year. I had those expectations. I was dead wrong. Uh, The point is, is that with new ownership... If this were a normal year and Washington heading into this season had some expectations of being a playoff team and being a dominant defense, which they didn't, they had the latter, not the overall, um, then maybe you fire the defensive coordinator. But what's the point? See, in Buffalo, this was the year. It was Super Bowl or bust. Now, I'll get to Ken Dorsey and the firing of him in, in a moment, but there w- heads had to roll after they lost to Denver the other night to fall, fall the 500. Um, and so I think that's the difference because everybody's been wanting some skin here, you know, the last 
uh, for, for, for Del Rio in particular, and for Rivera, certainly after the giant loss, um, and even Sunday's loss. But I just don't think anybody's going to do anything out there because they're going to do it when the season ends. I think, I think Del Rio, my speculation is just pure speculation, no inside information. I mean, I don't think they're going to fire Rivera because it doesn't make sense to fire the head coach at this stage, you know. But a coordinator, you know, you can get another coordinator to step in and do the job. And I think if they turn in another performance like they have been defensively, well, let's say, but let, let, let's put one thing on the table here. Let's say they lose to the Giants someday. <laughs> Is everybody fireable? Not in a short week because they play on Thanksgiving in Dallas, but after the Dallas game, if they were to lose to the Giants and the Cowboys, then I would actually, I would actually consider that to be a a, a possibility. But that. Because you you can't not just Del Rio. I mean everybody. Oh no no no! I'm I'm I mean, with, I, I'm with you to a certain degree. But again, I don't I don't know. Again, what's the point? Like to create? Like I've heard people say the point well, is you, a signal to the fan base that you hear you 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 feel their pain. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the point. And so, what's the solution if you fire everybody? You're, you by the way, you're talking about Del Rio and Rivera, not the enemy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, I don't think I still don't think they're going to fire uh, the head coach. Uh, although just losing to the Giants would just would would I mean that would be that would that would be code crimson. Okay. <laughs> losing to the, losing why did, to the why Giants. Why did you say code crimson instead of code red? Well, I just wanted to accentuate that it would be much redder than red. <laughs> okay. It would be crimson. Gotcha. Um. <laughs> Yeah, this 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 is a game Sunday that is the like I've said this is I think on the podcast with you the other day this is the first should win game they've had in years like they should win this game although I mentioned this earlier today Tommy DeVito by the way scheduled to start I guess there was some question that DeVito might not start um, and I'm not sure why maybe did he have an injury was he was he banged up let me just read the. Uh, He'll start, said Brian Dable against Washington. Um, they saw. Oh, they recently signed veteran Matt Barkley. I didn't even know that. So Devito's going to get the start over Matt Barkley, and Tyrod Taylor's still on injured reserve. So, but I, I noticed something this morning, uh, and that is that Washington was a ten-point favorite. They're now a nine and a half-point favorite, and I've actually seen the number down to nine. In a couple of spots. Oh my God! Here's a new one down to eight and a half. Hell, I so don't. What drives that? Uh, they're sharp. They're they're sharp betters betting the Giants plus that number. And the only thing that I can think of is just the idea that when you really get throttled like they did by Dallas last week, they gave up 640 yards and 49 points. <laughs> Like it's one of the worst beatings in in a long time in terms of the combined points and yardage. Um, well, I guess since Miami beat the shit out of Denver earlier this year, um, that you know the team is going to bounce back maybe a little bit. But I think it's probably what happened the first time. They're looking at it and, and saying, Wink Martindale has Washington's number for some reason. 
You know, for some reason they couldn't figure it out, and they're going to. And defensively, you know, it's a it's a it's slightly different in terms of what they have um, because there's no more Leonard Williams. They faced him last week with the uh, with right. the Seahawks. Um, and there's been a couple of injuries, but for the most part, the defensive personnel for the Giants, I think, is the same. Maybe they no, may, they've lost a couple of players since the the fourteen to seven loss, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. They can't actually be con- see. Usually, for for a big dog to get some action, it's usually because they're looking at it saying, "Well, they can score a little bit to try to keep it close." You know, maybe it'll be something like twenty four to sixteen or. You know, one touchdown. I don't know. I have no idea. By the way, the look-ahead line for Washington-Dallas, I pulled this up earlier today as well for Thanksgiving. Dallas, nine-and-a-half-point favorites over Washington. Wow. That is much higher than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be like seven, seven-and-a-half. So I was way off on that. Dallas, you know, the look – for those that don't know, you can actually bet – on a lot of sites, you know, a game two weeks down the road, three weeks down the road. But the line that is out for the game for the following weekend is typically pretty close to what it will be, barring major injuries. Um, I, I just thought Washington was playing enough, uh, playing well enough offensively that they would get a lot of credit in that game uh, in, on a short week against Dallas, and I thought it would be less than that. Um, but But I don't know, Tommy. I can tell you this. The public's loaded up on Washington on Sunday because they just think really? the Giants are so god awful, and yet the line's coming down. So, I had Washington in the smell test against Seattle. I might have the Giants. I don't know how I can do it. This is a should win game. Back to your question: If they lose this game, they can't do anything on Monday with a game on Thursday. Right. I mean, they could. You don't think so. They they could, they could fire Ron, and and let Jack be the head coach, um, and oh my God, no way! You can't fire no. them both. No, you can't fire on a them short both. week. Why not? I, no, why not? They're going to lose to the Cowboys anyway. What do you mean? Why not? What? Why not fire them both? No. Well, because who's going to coach the team? And then who's going to be the Eric, the defensive Eric coordinator? I, I've already talked about this. If I were Eric Bieniemy, I'd say no thank you. <laughs> it's a total set-up-to-fail situation. Who's going to coach the defense? I I don't see that happening. Can you imagine if um can you imagine if they lose to Tommy DeVito and the Giants? Okay. Let me, let me talk not, to you about something here. It, can, it can't happen. Uh, I didn't watch Could the Cowboys-Giants game yeah. last week, so I don't really know what happened. I know that I mean, I mean, know that the Cowboys ran up all these yards and had 49 points and had 77 plays to New York's 55 plays. But what were the Giants doing? Barkley ran the ball 13 times, just 13 times. Mm-hmm. And he, he, gained, he averaged five yards a carry. Right. I don't know what the circumstances were behind that, but why wouldn't you run Barkley about 25 times in a game like that? I don't know. Or at least 20 times. 
I, I didn't see the game either. I don't I don't know what happened in the game. I just know that every oh. time they went to Dallas for a highlight during our game, it was another <laughs> Dallas touchdown. Okay, so my point is, is there any chance, because he's done it before, Barkley alone can carve up Washington? I mean... He had a he had a good game against Washington when they beat him a couple of weeks uh, a couple of weeks ago. He had he traditionally had good. I know games. he's he's run run crazy over them. I know one one of those you know after wasn't it after a turnover? It was like a short field situation. Um, he, he took he he scored uh, scored a touchdown. It was one of those big explosives that they've given up. Yeah, was, was it after a turnover? Yeah, it was after a turnover. It was after the uh, it was an interception that Hal threw, and the Giants, two plays later, Barkley was in the end zone. And that was that made it 14-0. I, I, Tommy, they're the worst team in the NFL right now. Like, right now, they're the worst team in the NFL. I don't – and Washington, I know they beat one of the worst teams in the NFL two weeks ago in New England, because they did. They certainly beat one of the worst – um, teams from an offensive standpoint. Uh, and they only won that game by three. See, here's the thing. I mentioned this to Kime yesterday on the podcast. John Kime was on with me yesterday. If you missed it, you can go listen to yesterday's show. John was great, as always. I mean, I am very, very, very encouraged, as people have heard me talk about Sam Howell here over the last three weeks. I really am. I also... We need to put it in a little bit of perspective here, too. They don't have a win over a good team. A lot of that is their defense, for sure. Um, But the defenses over the last three weeks that they have played are not good defenses. Okay, I'll give you the current DVOA numbers for Philly, for New England, and for Seattle. Okay, Philadelphia. Philadelphia's defense per DVOA is 19th in the league. And if you've watched Philadelphia this year, you know, not just our games, you know that this defense has taken a step back from where they were a year ago. Um, New England's defense, its this is probably not even fair to look at their defense because they were significantly injured. But per DVOA right now, it's 14th. And that's that's top half of the league, but it's 14th because of what they did before the Washington game and before they lost Matthew Judon in particular, their best defensive player. Now, New right. England did a good, good job Sunday against the Colts. Okay, so if you want to say, Sheehan, you're wrong, New England's defense is good, have at it. Seattle's defense per DVOA is 20th. So the... I am looking forward to seeing the Giants defensively. The Giants are a much better defensive team than they are an offensive team by miles. Yes, but absolutely. Their, but their defense is 29th per DVOA. Oh, my God. Now, what Washington is going to get is they're going to get a chance to play some really good defenses the rest of the way. Dallas is Dallas right now, number four defense per DVOA. All right, uh, San Francisco, 10th per DVOA. The Jet defense, they'll face the Jet defense, number six per DVOA. So you're going to get some really good, uh, you know, and I hope these games mean something. The Dallas game will mean something if they beat the Giants, you know. Um, 
And then the Dolphins. Where are the Dolphins? Because the Dolphins might be higher than we think. No, the Dolphins are 22 per DVOA. You know, some of that is based on the entire season and not necessarily. Like Washington's offense per DVOA is 22nd. But if you took the trend of the last three games, it would be higher than 22nd. I mean, they've produced probably top five in yardage, and they're probably a top five scoring team uh, you know, definitely a top 10 scoring team over their last three games. So it depends on, you know, it's just like, you know, Sam's PFF number right now is like 22nd or 23rd in the league, but it's trending up from where it was, which was like 29th or 28th in the league before the last three games. So my point is we're going to get a better. I just don't, I'm not sure. The, the giant defense may in their last four games have been the best defense they faced. And they got eaten up by it. Eaten up. It was a different game plan in the first half, a different play calling, you know, situation in the first half of that game, which really put them behind the eight ball. But the bottom line is, is that against the Giants, they scored seven points, and the one touchdown that they did get um, was a twenty-yard drive. You know, after after the big uh, after the. Um, um, after the, the, the muffed punt, you know, they, they fumbled the punt and Washington started at the giant 21 yard line. So maybe that's why the line's okay. coming down. Tommy is that they well, think the giant defense can do a job they're, against they're, Washington's offense. They're not going to, they're not going to lose. I know. I don't think so. They can't lose and they're not going to lose. No, but can you imagine if Tommy DeVito has a big day against this defense, even if they win the game? I mean, at that point, you pretty much have to say, good night, thanks for coming, Jack. And let I think Ron- if Tommy DeVito wins the game, uh, I think he becomes a made man in the mafia. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. I think you got to kill somebody to be a made man, don't you? I don't know. Well, I think if they win, that characterizes, that's, you could call that murder. So why don't we hit your prediction right now? What's your prediction on the game? Well, my prediction is that Sam Howe is, is, is going to have a party, okay? They're going to put 30 points on the board, uh, and they'll easily handle the Giants 30-16. to 30-16. to 16. That's a cover. It'll be a fun day to be at FedEx Field. 30-16, to 16, Tommy's got him covering. Oh, I wanted to say one more thing um, about uh, the tweet that I got from Corey about Del Rio. The Buffalo firing of Ken Dorsey was was Sean McDermott's last move, when you think about it. Because Leslie Frazier, he decided Frazier wasn't good enough, and he was going to call defensive plays. Now, they've lost a lot defensively. They've lost some of their best players on defense. Um, now, the offensive coordinator like is gone. Miller. Uh well, Miller's actually playing. They, they've they've lost some some key players in recent weeks, like Micah Hyde and Matt Milano and others. Um, and their defense looked a little bit old to begin with. Uh, so Ken Dorsey gets fired the day after they lose a game because they had twelve men on the field on a field goal. You know, on a missed field goal. I mean, that is. That is really bad optics in terms of firing him after after that particular game. I'm not suggesting there wasn't a problem all along, and maybe they were leading up to this. But 
Corey, you're right. Buffalo, from an advanced number standpoint, is still one of the best offenses in the league. And I saw Sam uh, Monson um, from PFF, we've had Sam on the show before, tweet out that Josh Allen leads the NFL in interceptions, but he's got the lowest turnover-worthy play rate of his career. And that's actually one of those stats from PFF that that I I think is a real interesting stat because I don't think you know before they tracked turnover worthy throws we ever really thought about oh well that guy's got a lot of interceptions that guy doesn't have many interceptions but you know or that team's got a bunch of turnovers and that team doesn't so much of it is really good fortune sometimes you know a quarterback like Taylor Heineke was one of the highest turnover worthy play rate guys in the NFL, but we watched Taylor Heineke get lucky, it seemed like, every week with somebody dropping a ball that was right in their hands. You know, it went right through it. So Josh Allen clearly unlucky, and you saw that Monday night, he had a ball go right through Gabe Davis's hands and get intercepted. So, um, I, oh, this is the, the, the thing that I wanted to mention, because I, I, Denton and I were talking about it on the radio show, and I, I, it just it made me think of Mike Tomlin. There's been no offensive coordinator this year in the league or in recent years more vilified, more scrutinized than Matt Canada in Pittsburgh. You do realize, Tommy, Pittsburgh's 6-3, and three, and they've been outgained yeah. in all nine of their games, which is just unbelievable, and yet they're 6-3. and three. You think Mike Tomlin would fire Matt Canada if he didn't think that he deserved to be fired? Because... Ken Dorsey, there's a case that can be made that he's a total scapegoat. There's no way Tomlin would ever bow to any sort of public pressure for, to produce a skin after a loss. I love Mike Tomlin. I you mean, you love Mike Tomlin, the mm. next uh, commander's head coach? That's right. That was your bold prediction. I love, yes. I love everything about Mike Tomlin. Because that team has no offense, and it doesn't matter. They're six and three. Uh, and Matt Canada, actually, they've been a little bit better here at times. I don't know. Big Tony can weigh in on that one. But there's no way that Matt Canada gives two uh, that that Mike Tomlin gives two craps about what media or fans think about anything. But Sean McDermott, that's his last move. If they don't get to the playoffs, which at this point, it's going to be pretty tough for them to make the playoffs in the AFC with what they have on their schedule, he's done. Um, I saw this uh, list of the coaches, you know, that will the, 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 basically the, the list of odds on coaches to be fired. There was a story written about that. I want to get to that. Um, I want to get to Dan Orlovsky, what he said about Bill Belichick. You want to talk some wizards for some reason? We should probably mention the Caps are rolling, man. Old Charlie Lindgren stopped 35 Vegas shots last night, shut them out right after their White House visit. Good for the Caps. Uh, More after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC and they will give you a cash bonus upon your first deposit. Uh, the Ravens are four-point favorites over the Bengals t- uh, tomorrow night, Tommy, in the game that you will be attending. And by the way, I'm looking at my bookie right now, and Washington's back to a 10-point favorite. So it changed oh. that quickly. Maybe it's because they announced that Tommy DeVito was going to start. So we'll see, <laughs> and we'll follow that. Uh, but they're back to 10, at least at my bookie um, right now. Uh, also, I wanted to mention because we didn't, we've not talked any college football this week, and I know that you don't watch a lot of college football. But I thought that Jaden Daniels from LSU put on one of the greatest performances I have ever seen by a quarterback in a college football game. That's not an exaggeration. Um, the other night, he, uh, in a game against Florida, was the first player in NCAA history to finish the game with 350 or more passing yards and 200 or more rushing yards, most yards of total offense in SEC history um, in that game the other night. And he is now the second choice at my bookie to win the Heisman Trophy behind Bo Nix, who is now favored. Penix Jr. took a step back. I don't know why he took a step back from the other night. Um, Maybe it's because they're expecting Penix Jr. in Washington to maybe lose uh, Saturday at Oregon State, where Oregon State's actually favored over Washington. Um, But you can bet anything you want at my bookie. All of the point spreads are there. All of the prop bets are there. Uh, You know, the coach um, odds for coach of the year uh, right now. Let me look that one up. I'm actually interested in the coach of the year odds in the NFL to see where D'Amico Ryans is from Houston. So Dan Campbell, the Detroit uh, coach, is the favorite at plus 135. D'Amico Ryans at plus 295 is next. Um, that Houston team uh, is interesting. Anyway, mybookie.ag, mybookie.com for uh, all your betting needs. Uh, it's the place to go. Kevin DC is the promo code that I want you to use. So I saw. You know, yeah, go I, ahead. Okay, go ahead. No, 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 go. No, I did watch. I watched Penn State, Michigan, on Sunday. So I did watch some college football Oof. this weekend. Yeah. You know, and uh, we talked about this a little bit. Very frustrated with James Franklin, but I, I, I was scouting Maryland's opponent this this Saturday. Yeah, 
the the eyes of the college football world will be on College Park Saturday at noon, Michigan, and we won't know until Friday if Harbaugh's coaching the team or not. I don't know. Right. What, I have no idea what's going to happen with that. Do you have a, a, a feeling one way or the other? No, although if a, a Maryland win would then turn this back into a special season. <laughs> For Loxley? Right? Or for, or for the other Big Ten for schools, Lockley. Uh, yeah, they for got yeah, for for Mike Loxley. Yeah, I, mean, they I got, think people expected a special season. Yeah, they're out not. Of them, they're not going to. They're not Michigan. getting it. They're probably not going to beat Michigan. Probably not. Yeah. But if they did, I think then it becomes a special season again. Oh well, yeah. If they were to beat Michigan Saturday, it would be the most special yes. season they've had in years. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, that, no, that, that, that's my point. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just it's just a bowl eligible season, right? Um, yes, and they, you took and the other thing. Yeah, the other thing because I'm listening to what you say because I listen. I hang on your every word. Sure, you do. And you talked about all the young quarterbacks, uh, the Heisman Trophy candidates, and I heard Kime on your show. You played the interview with Kime. On your show this morning, on radio this morning, yes. And I gotta say, I disagree with it. him. If, if part of it, yeah. If if right, if new management comes in and they see one of these new guys that they really like, I think you got to draft them, even if you like Sam Howe. I think you do. It just depends on what happens here for the final two months of the season. I I mean. We got two months before the regular season ends. You know, there's 17 games, and Washington hasn't had their bye week yet. So they got eight more weeks of season, seven more games. I think it really, I think that what Sam does over these final seven are going to matter. You know, taking a whole 17 game season. I mean, Tommy, if the, if he ends up throwing for 4,600 yards or 4,700 yards, it would be the second best season in the history of the franchise in passing yards. If he ends up, you know, in a, in, a, in a top five yardage, top five completion percentage, top five touchdowns, you're you're gonna you're gonna probably say as a new GM, you know what, rookie contract, dude balled out. We just got to put some more pieces around him, and if it doesn't work out with more pieces around him, we can do something next year because we don't have to pay him. We don't have to make the decision on extending him until the end of next season. Right. But I, I know. But, but I, I, you're but, probably right. But hold on for a second because I also want to say what you just said. If it is up and down the rest of the way and they're sitting there you know, like it was for the first seven games, not the last three, but if we get back to more up and down, one week pretty good, one week not so good, um, versus this turns into something more consistent like the last three weeks of excellent performances, they're going to be in position in this draft and, you know, the 11 to 16 range, depending on, you know, how many of these games they win down the stretch, they're going to be in position to either draft one that is going to have a lot of promise at their own draft spot or potentially with some draft capital that they've acquired here move up just a little bit to get yeah. somebody that has a lot of promise. Look, I, there's yeah. there's some guys, Jaden Daniels is one of them that I am a big big fan of. Like I I I if he's there when Washington selects in the draft, I 
I, I wish that we didn't have a Sam Howell situation because it would be a no-brainer for me. Um, but we do have a Sam Howell situation, and it's the best right. and, situation to be able yeah. to have him it, as a it, potential it, it, option here. It's a great situation. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. What happens in the future, certainly if, if Sam Howell puts up those numbers and it's a top-five quarterback across the board, you're right. But uh, my suspicion is, and I could be proven wrong, is once they get past the Giants, they go back to the varsity schedule, and it's going to be a lot harder. Well, Seattle's a varsity team. I mean, they're six and three. They're, they're, they they were in the playoffs last year. They're probably going to be in the playoffs yeah, okay. this year. I mean, you want to say New England and and and, and Philadelphia was a varsity team too. Uh, you know they they just played. The... But I think the Philly numbers were skewed. What do you mean skewed? Skewed I know, how? I, th- I think they, they they were content to let him uh, at at the end put up the numbers that he did. Oh no no no! That's not why he had the numbers. That was a one score game until he threw the pick, and then it became a two score game. But that was late in the game. That you know, or in, or the the uh, when when um, Dotson didn't make the catch and they went for the fourth down and missed it, the, 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 you know, and got stopped on downs. There was no there was no garbage yardage there in that game. None, none. If you want to say the last drive, Philadelphia got a little bit soft, and they went down the field and scored that last touchdown. Yeah, but no, Sam Howell threw for four hundred yards in that game. Tommy, well, that's, that's that was my point. The Four last touchdowns. drive. Well, so what? Take those sixty-five yards out, and he still threw for three thirty, right? And 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 three touchdowns. Oh, and he he he. They filleted Philadelphia for a lot of that game offensively. They really did. I mean, he played very well. Um, they just he he had a couple of mistakes in that game. There were some mistakes in that game. There was there was a big mistake in the New England game. There really weren't that many mistakes on Sunday. There were a couple of drives that that got stopped, you know, early on. He took a couple sacks, took three sacks against Seattle. But th- you can't you can't describe Philadelphia and Seattle as j- junior varsity teams. They're not going to. Oh, you're right. That's fair. Yeah. They'll, they've got some. Je- you know, they've got the Rams. They got the Jets. They got the Giants on Sunday. They got a couple of JV teams left, although the Jet defense and maybe Aaron Rodgers is back for that one. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, Dan Orlovsky was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, and they got into a conversation about Bill Belichick and his future, and they all seem to believe that Bill Belichick is going to be out. But Orlovsky went, went one step further. Here's what he said. Now, Diana Rossini reported this weekend that people around the building are assuming or preparing for a mutual parting of ways between Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. He will go coach somewhere else if that is the case. Will he be the GM as well? We assume, but who knows? Mm -hmm. That would be bananas. That would be a colossal move in the NFL news cycle. I've heard that. I've heard more and more of that over the past week. I'm not a reporter, all that stuff, but I have heard that. You're a journalist. yeah, um, I, I have heard that that's going to be the case, and it's kind of uh, who who knows the likelihood of it, but I've, I've heard that that's going to happen, and I've heard the location is already kind of determined as well. Where he's going? L.A.? Chargers. You I'm not giving uh, – yeah, yeah. So the, the end there, you know, I've heard, you know – uh, I've heard the location is already kind of determined as well. 
a lot of people in you know this audience and you know Washington fans assume that he's talking about Washington. And that's because of the Florio speculation from a couple of weeks ago about Belichick being traded to Washington. I don't think he's talking about Washington. I don't know anything. I think he's talking about what you heard, you know, McAfee and A.J. Hawk and whoever else is on that show say. I think they're talking about either the Chargers or maybe Vegas, where Brady is, you know, a partial owner now. I don't think Belichick's coming to Washington. I don't. Uh, but what do you think? I think Vegas is going to be a, a real realistic option. Look, I think if Belichick is, is picking his spots and knowing uh, the type of control he'll want, I know Josh Harris owns 5% of the Steelers, but he's still a relatively neophyte as an owner. And I think Belichick is going to want to work for an owner who understands the, the, the business of the NFL and what would be expected of him as a, with, with a Belichick as his head coach. And you I think, think he wants to work for Mark Davis? Could, well, I think Mark Davis, Mark Davis grew up in an NFL family. He's been the owner of that team for years. Yeah. Uh, I think Belichick would look at that team and say, I can handle this guy. I don't know about these other guys. They're new to the NFL. You know? I mean, they, they, they may be unpredictable. Mark Davis is predictable. Yeah, predictably so stupid most of the time. Um, yes. Well, <laughs> wouldn't you want to work for that guy if you were Belichick? No. I would never want to work for stupid people. I'd want to, I, I mean. That you can control? No. What are you talking about? Look how long you've been in this business. <laughs> True. Good Jesus. point. Good point. I wouldn't want to work for stupid people. Um, no, the people I'm working for in the, right now, radio or not, uh, I actually really like all the people that I'm working for in radio right now. <laughs> I think I've probably said that many times over the years just to make sure that the people who I'm working for know that I'm very fond of them. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, uh, the, I, I don't know. The char- See, Brandon Staley, so um, the, the uh, CBS Sports wrote a column, Jordan DeJohnny, who we've had on the show many times, basically assessing the odds of the coaches to get fired in order. Staley's number one. Like, if the Chargers don't make the playoffs, he's getting fired. There's no doubt about that. Rivera's number two. I think everybody understands Ron Rivera's gone at the end of the year. Eberflus in Chicago's three. Belichick's four. And Frank Reich is five. Can you imagine if that guy, David Tepper, who came in and acted like he was the smartest guy in the league, you know, he fired Rivera, you know, during the season. Then he hires, you know, Matt Rule. That doesn't work out. Now he's going to fire Frank Reich after one year. Um, I don't think – I can't see that happening, although who the, who who knows. Um, but Belichick being gone, first of all, is, as McAfee said, that's a banana story. You know, it really is to think about – you know, arguably the greatest coach in the history of the game, not finishing, being able to finish where he won six Super Bowls. But if he wants to see, here's the thing. Didn't we already talk about this? I can't believe the people that would absolutely dismiss it as, well, thank God it's, they're talking about the Chargers or Vegas because I don't want them. <laughs> really? Yeah. You this don't is, want Bill Belichick? Ridiculous conversation. Yeah. Ridiculous. 
But it, it's really, it's really, it's absurd. You, you really, you really need to look at yourself in, in the mirror. You have a conversation like that and say, "Am I that damaged? Am, am I that damaged as, as a Washington fan that I wouldn't want Bill Belichick to to run my football team?" I do think that's that's it. I think that's I think it's the it's the trauma that that this fan base has gone through over the last twenty five years that you know makes them think you know the things that they think. Look, I'm I'm part of it too, but I I don't know. There there there's whatever. Um, I do I do understand you don't want Bill you know you don't want Bill Belichick to come in with total control. He's his Bill Belichick the roster construction guy has hurt Bill Belichick the coach here the last few years. Yes, he has. You know Bill Belichick hiring even his staff and having Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator last year was crazy. So and you you have to be sure that at 72 years old or whatever he would be next year that you know he's into this thing like he wants to shove it up everybody's ass, including Robert Kraft, you know, for even yes. thinking about left, letting him go. The thing that's interesting about Belichick, and I think most of you know this, is he's very fond of this area. You know, he yes, he grew up right. in Annapolis. Uh, his father was a Navy guy. He's also very familiar with this fan base and the pent-up demand for a winner. He He remembers the glory years because he coached against it with Parcells. So it's it's just like when Sean Payton went on that show on XM Sirius, you know, last um, spring uh, with that guy Adam Shine and talked about the Washington opportunity and one of the potential ownership groups reaching out to him. He he waxed poetic for like ten minutes about what you know what Washington used to be and when he was with Parcells or when he was in Dallas with Parcells, just you know what Washington was. So Parcells might actually think. God, wouldn't it be great to be the guy to to bring all of those people back and make it what it used to be? I don't know. I don't. I don't see it. I I see Josh Harris hiring a general manager that's very analytically inclined, very data driven, and then that person, along with Josh Harris, hiring a coach that is in similar in, in a similar vein. They're going to go young, edgy, analytically inclined more than Bill Belichick at 72 years old. That would be my guess. But if you told me Bill Belichick's coming here to coach my team with a general manager of some renown, then he's not going to pick the players, of course I'd be interested in that. I can't imagine why somebody would I, say no I, to I that. like my Mike Tomlin long shot prediction. Uh, I, got one year left on his contract. All right, uh, let's finish it up with a few odds and ends right after these words from a few of our sponsors. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelly's. You know, Shelly's back room. I won't be there this Thursday night. I'll be at the uh, Ravens game, but uh, I highly recommend dropping in Shelly's tomorrow night to watch the Raven-Bengals game. It'll be a great atmosphere. Uh, and so I won't be there. I'll be at the game. And I'm thinking there was a time where if you were at a football game, you could, like at Shelley's, light up a cigar. You know? Oh I mean, you know, I grew up. Me too. Yeah. Pipes. I mean, a lot of pipes. Cigars a lot of pipes, pipes at games. Stuff. A lot of, uh, yes. I mean, I can remember the, the the guy that sat in two rows in front of us 
at RFK with, you know, in RFK was every, it was all season ticket holders. Um, and same people you'd see every week. And this guy every week had that pouch of tobacco and had his pipe and it was the best smell. And I love cigar smell too. It's great. Yes. It's, you know, smoke filled atmosphere. That was part of the allure, but you can't do that anymore. So the next best thing is to be at Shelley's. One thing I, I forgot about Shelley's that I, I've been reminded of, you know, I've told you all that it's a great place to have a party, okay? And they're in demand over the Christmas holidays to host parties, and they should be. It's, right. it's a great location to have a party. But what Shelley's may be the best place in D.C. for, the after party. In other words, when you've had a party someplace else, yeah. and you're not done drinking, and you say to your friends, where should we go next? Shelly's back room. The after-party location for Washington, D.C. A lot of after-parties wind up at Shelly's back room with, with a bunch of people smoking cigars after a, 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 night, a, a stiff office party night uh, they had to live with. Uh, you find out more at Shelly'sBackroom.com. Shelly's Back Room, 1331 F Street, Northwest. All right. Uh, what did you want to say about the Wizards? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for it now uh, just to uh, basically get the uh, – okay. Good preparation. Uh, you know, I, I lost what I was looking for. Okay. Uh, very briefly. No, I, I lost the details of it. Well, we're losing the audience okay. right now, just on the topic alone. Okay, so, here we go. So hurry here up. we go. Uh, Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole, I mean, if you've watched the team, mm-hmm. and God only knows why I'm doing it, but I watched them now from time to time, uh, has become Nick Young. I mean, it, it's really unbelievable how much he's, he's like Nick Young in terms of being a knucklehead. It's clear that none of the players are listening to the coaches, okay? They're just not listening to them. They're just doing their own thing, okay? Here's, what, here's some more evidence of that. Uh, Jordan Poole leads the league in plus-minus, <laughs> okay? Yeah. He's in, in, in minus, minus. statistics. Yeah. He's, he's minus 131, I think. He's terrible. He's okay. Ter- yeah. That's pretty bad, except number two. And worse minus is Kyle Kuzma. Is, is Kuzma worse than than Poole? Really, I would I would not have guessed that. Number I, two. Interesting. And I, number three. Yeah. Is. Tyus Jones. I was going to say it has to be Jones, given the minutes that he gets. Yeah. Or, so they uh, have or the top three yeah. leaders in the minus category, in the plus minus stat, which kind of indicates, among other things. How good your team is playing when you're on the floor. Yeah, I mean, plus minus is one of those interesting things. I'm not going to get into it. But what, but but imagine the last three Wizards games for those players who are on the floor at the end of games trying to put them away. They got outscored 21-1 yeah. to 1 by the Raptors. All right, so that's a minus 20 just over the last seven minutes of the game the other night. The Nets outscored them, I think it was 15-2, to two, and the Hornets outscored them. Uh, I had those numbers here uh, in front of me for yesterday's show, and I never got to them, but whatever. Um, it's, like, it's like a combined something like – it's something like a combined 58-11 to 11 
over the uh, over the final seven minutes of each of the last three games. Uh, they're terrible, and Jordan pulls a joke. Um, anyway, uh, what else on that? I had a couple of things for you to to end the show. Did you see this? Did you have anything else on the Wizards, or was that it? No, that was just it. I find it unbelievable that the, the, the worst three players and plus minus are all Wizards. So three things, all commanders related to end the show. Seth Walder, the you know analytics guy for ESPN, the next gen guy. John Allen and Deron Payne last year ranked ninth and twelfth respectively in pass rush win rate per the next gen stat. This year, twenty sixth and forty second out of fifty two well, defensive tackles. You don't need, you don't need next gen stats to see that. Well, you know, it's pass rush specific, okay? So I do think John Allen and Deron Payne have been pretty stout against the run for the most part, um, but that's pass rush win rate. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention is several of you sent this to me. Cam Cheeseman, the long snapper, is the lowest rated pro football focused special teams player in the league. Um,. I did mention the other day that Ron's done nothing about it, and my buddy Jason reminded me. Remember, he br- remember the 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 week when he did that thing where he brought in a bunch of long snappers to try out, and it was totally based on the pushback on Cameron Cheeseman. He had no intention of signing any of those people, but he yeah. wanted people to think, "Hey, we're looking at long snappers here. We're taking this thing seriously." So, thank you Jason for reminding me of that. Um so he's going to wait until it it loses them a game, which you can make the case, you know, the missed extra point Sunday was was important. Lastly, and I I didn't mention this, but I saw this over the weekend and I'm wondering if you guys saw it. Adam Schefter's report about Chase, the Chase Young trade. Washington was looking for a second and a fifth rounder. There were teams, and we did talk about this, you know, um, right after the trade of Chase Young. There were teams that passed entirely on Chase Young because they were concerned about the medical. Uh, the, the 49ers did not want to give up a second and a fifth, so Washington had to lower their price to a end of third compensatory for all intents and purposes an early fourth round pick um, for Chase Young to get the deal done. I, I, I still believe that if the 49ers had said, nah, we're going to go to the end of fourth round compensatory, they might have taken that. God, did they want him out of town badly. But they were looking for a second, second and a fifth, which is exactly what they were looking for before the draft and nobody was interested because they didn't know what they were going to get at that point. He was, you know, he played the 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 two games at the end of last year, but that was it. Um, but Washington had to come down. And by the way, the 49ers also in the Schefter report, the 49ers' initial interest was in Sweat, not Young. But that price was too high, and Washington actually didn't want to trade Sweat until Chicago came in with a second rounder, which is going to be a very high second rounder more likely than not all right uh let's finish up the show with you heard it here first i've been waiting to hear what the big announcement was going to be you got it right here heard it here first all right tommy you give me your bold prediction for the week first okay my bold prediction might seem contrary 
to my prediction of what's going to happen on Sunday, but these are two separate entities we're talking about. Saquon Barkley has had his two highest rushing games in the history of his career against the Washington football team. Now he's going to have his third with over 200 yards rushing on Sunday. He has had his two best rushing games. So you're... I understand that this is it's a bold prediction, and it's like separate from your prediction of the game. But you predict Washington to win thirty to sixteen, but also have Saquon Barkley rushing for two hundred. I mean, if if you if you complicated guy, it's okay. Yeah, no, it's 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 your it's your simplicity that makes you so complex. Um, Right. All right. My bold prediction. The Detroit Lions will be the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. I don't even know if that's that bold, but the Detroit Lions will be the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. So the road to the Super Bowl goes through Ford Field in 2023, early 2024. The Ly- I was looking at the Lions schedule. They still play the Bears twice. They play the Vikings twice. I know the Vikings with with Dobbs. They've he's, they they put, they've been very good, and the Vikings will probably have to win, um, uh, you know, uh, those games to get in. Um, but they play the Packers. They play the Saints. They play the Broncos. They're going to win fourteen games, and I don't see. I think with Philadelphia's schedule right now, I I think Philadelphia wins maybe thirteen. You know, I, I could see the, the Eagles losing three more games. They still play the Chiefs Monday night, the Bills, the Niners, the Cowboys, the Seahawks. The Eagles do get the Giants twice at the end of the year. Um, The Detroit Lions are going to be the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. They've they've never been the number one seed. And the only championship game they ever made it to was playing Washington in the 91 season. In the NFC title game here at RFK, 41 to 10 was the final. They were not close in that game. You know, if we get to the postseason and Washington's not in it, I'm going to be rooting for Detroit to do well. That's an easy team to root for. Dan Campbell's a little bit crazy. He told his family, or he, he made the comment that he tells his family to wear diapers before the game because it's going to be a high wire ride. With some of the things that he's gonna that he's gonna you know like he went for a fourth and two instead of kicking a field goal the other it was the right move, but you would have never seen something like that in, at the end of a game three years ago not even three years ago you would have seen that. All right, anything else from you? Nothing else for you today, boss. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. What do you, what do you want me to do? Okay, admit that my life is shit. Is that what you want me to say? You happy? Aren't I allowed a little joy with these children I never wanted to have? You have never once stopped asking us for money. Family helps family.